I was going to El Salvador and the whole thing of the trip was like, we're gonna proclaim freedom, you know, and we're gonna do a lot of like prophetic ministry and like, like prayer ministry. And I was so angry. I told God, I said, God, how are you gonna have me go on this trip? Because I knew he was calling me to go on that trip. And I was like, how are you going to have me go on this trip and proclaim freedom for people who are living in bondage when I feel like I'm not even living in freedom myself? And he said, exactly. I was like, excuse me? He's like, exactly. Now you're gonna go and I'm gonna do amazing things through you and you can't take any of the credit. Mm. And I was like, whoa. How long have you been faithfully walking with the Lord? Ooh, faithfully walking. Yeah. That's a loaded term. I would say I took this faith on as my own when I was about 16. Okay. Do you come from a religious background? It depends on what you mean by religious. I didn't grow up in church, but I definitely grew up in a family that knows Jesus. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that experience growing up of hearing about Jesus in your home, but you not necessarily being a part of it? Sure. Yeah. So the way my parents spoke about Jesus was like, he's just another member of the household. Um, so I, it was actually kind of funny when I was older and I found out that people didn't believe in Jesus. I was like, you cannot believe in Jesus. Um, my mom would read the Bible to me and um, we would discuss God. And I remember having this conversation with my mom when I was little saying, mom, how can I work for God? Do I have to, do I have to die to work for God? And she was just laughing and was like, no, you don't have to die to work for God. You can work for him right now. Um, and so that, I think that's kind of always been my mentality. Um, ever since I was little, ironically, just like, how can I serve God? Um, even though when I was younger, I didn't fully understand who he was, but I definitely knew that he was, um, a friend. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your life before Jesus and some of the stuff that you went through. Can you just share your testimony sure. with us? Yeah, so that's difficult because I wouldn't necessarily say I had this like come to Jesus moment. Uh, a lot of people do, and that's awesome. I just feel like they were just my life just kind of had like ebbed and flowed, um, yeah. and Jesus was always there. As I said, I grew up in a believing household, but um, even though we believed in Jesus and knew Jesus, like we doesn't mean that we were perfect. Um, and so I was uh, molested by a relative when I was about four years old. And um, from that point on, er, like ever since I can remember, I struggled with uh, masturbation and with uh, same-sex attraction, um, more specifically just thoughts and feelings. Like a common thought that I had when I was little was, uh, man, I should have just been born a boy um, because life would be so much easier. I constantly felt like something was wrong with me. Something was just always off. I just, I, I think I just felt so overwhelmed with shame, even as a little kid, not being able to identify it. Um, but that was that feeling, that driving feeling was that something was wrong with me and I couldn't exactly pinpoint what. And so that's how I lived my life for a good portion of my life. I never told any family members. I never told anybody um, about it. I just kept it bottled up inside and, um, so that was kind of a good portion of my early childhood. And to top it all off, my family, uh, my parents got divorced when I was nine. And so that brought in just another wave of, man, is it because of me? Could I have done something better, you know? And there were just feelings of feeling abandoned by, by my family. Thoughts of, man, 
I guess they just didn't care enough about me, didn't love me enough to keep it together, you know? And so that, I think, was another big moment in my life. And um, adding on to just, again, that shame, it was just shame and then, and then anger. Um, anger and, and doubt, honestly, about, about being loved and feeling like I couldn't rely on anybody, you know? And if my family lets me down, who can I trust to not leave me and not hurt me? Right. So, um, and then that's kind of how my life was, just kept living in secret. And then when I was about um, 16, I, I ended up opening up to my mom after. It's kind of funny. We had watched these, I think it was like Heavens for Real, and it was so weird. I really think it was just the Holy Spirit, like right after the movie. There was nothing in the movie had to do with my specific like struggles, but right after I had this overwhelming, overwhelming feeling of like, you need to tell your mom. You need to tell your mom about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't shake it. I was like, please leave me alone. I've been living my life perfectly fine. Um, but I just broke down after that and told my mom like, hey, when I was younger, so-and-so molested me. And ever since then, you know, I had struggled with masturbation. And, 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 and there was a separate conversation. I hadn't confessed everything all in that one um, bout. But again, we watched another movie. And it was like, <laughs> it's so funny because it was like, God's not dead. And um, right after, again, I was like, what's going on? There was, again, that feeling of, hey, you need to tell your mom the whole thing. Wow. And so then that's when... So I actually did it in two parts. The first movie, it was, hey, I was molested. The second movie was, hey, and because of that, I have been struggling with um, with masturbation. Mm. And um, she met me with a ton of grace. And she had always told me since I was little, like, if you ever struggle with anything, like, nothing you say will surprise me. And she really lived that out. Wow. And so I found kind of that that refuge in, in her being able to share. And she really taught me kind of the importance of like scripture says, um, and you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And she was like, and this is a prime example of that, just exposing, shining a light on those areas of hurt and struggle so we can, we can walk through it. And so she just prayed through it with me and, and walked through it with me. And then eventually I felt comfortable enough to confess like, Hey, also I've struggled with same sex attraction with these thoughts. I thought she was going to be shocked. You know, I thought she was going to be disappointed but she wasn't. She, she was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, of course the enemy's going to try and, and lie to you that way. You know, of course the enemy's going to try and confuse you as a child. Um, and I really do. I really do think the enemy loves to try and target children to try and derail them from God's purposes for their life. But yeah. he's just not strong enough. So anyway. What did that response uh, do to you because obviously I'm sure you sure. were dealing with a lot of doubt and, and dealing with it on your own so yeah. her responding in that way what what did that do her responding in that way I think really showed me a clear picture of Jesus like she didn't judge me she didn't condemn me she didn't even she wasn't disgusted and that was a big thing I was disgusted with myself I was like I'm a monster you know and the fact that my mom was like, no, you're my daughter and I love you. What a prime example of just the Christ-like love, you know, that, that a person can allow to flow through them. Mm. How did your um, life 
developed from there after sharing that you've kind of let this out yeah so after that we kind of I didn't know what to call it at the time but she and I kind of formed an accountability partnership and it was kind of awesome even though it was a little bit embarrassing like no one wants to confess like hey mom I struggled sexually last night you know but she was like hey you need to tell me so we can pray about it right she wasn't she was very serious about that she was like you need to tell me and it'll get less and less and then like God will take the desire away and I was like no I just want to stop now and she's like it's just gonna take some time because of how many years you know this has gone on Mm. and so from that point forward I kept confessing to my mom and she kept praying with me and the desire just went away and the urge went away and for about three years after that it progressed and I think I was just I lived so much lighter I think I lived just more fully for Christ because I wasn't dealing with all of that on my back, yeah. you know, at the same time, kind of feeling like living a double life. Um, and so that was throughout high school. Um, it was a fun time. And then I went to college when I was 18 and I went to a Bible college and I, I loved it. But something I hadn't mentioned yet was um, my mom had had a pretty, a pretty traumatic childhood. She had endured a lot of abuse and uh, manipulation from her family. Mm. And because of that, she had a lot of uh, mental health issues, a lot of, she would struggle a lot with believing lies. So she had believed this lie about my dad and that side of the family that they were like these bad people and they were like out to get us and stuff. And so as a little kid, you know, when your mom's telling you things, you're like, okay, you're just a sponge. And so right. I was like, okay, well, I guess that's true, you know? And so eventually she said, hey, like, I just don't know how beneficial it is for you to be in relationship with him anymore. Hmm. And I was like, I agreed. I was like, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I don't think it's the best thing. And so I ended up making the decision to um, cut off communications with my dad from the time I, I, I want to say I was about 13 years old. And so on one end, I am experiencing freedom from, from sexual sin and from same-sex attraction. But on the other end, I'm hurting because I don't have my father. You know, I, God blessed me with a wonderful um, uncle who is like a father figure to me yeah. um, and with himself as my heavenly father. But I was hurting because I didn't have my, my earthly father. And so... When I was about 18, you know, about to start college, my mom still had some undealt with issues that were coming up and she just wasn't in the healthiest place to be living in the house anymore. And so my aunt and uncle helped her get a place and get some help and she um, was gone from my life. And so here I was about to start college with no parents and I experienced depression for the first time in my life. I was anxious all the time. I could never sleep. I I was like about to be a college freshman. And so on one hand, I'm like excited for my future. And on the other hand, I'm like, what's happening in my life? Everything feels like it just fell apart. Mm. I'm supposed to have my parents with me. You know, I'm supposed to have their support and their presence in this next chapter of my life becoming an adult and that they're just not there. Um, But I do think during that time, God really showed me what it means for him to be our father and more than just a father to be like a dad, you know, someone who's there, someone you can rely on. So even though I was struggling with depression and all of that, you know, he used my aunt and uncle to really just be there for me. And I remember even this one instance, I was worried about money, 
but I hadn't talked to anybody about it because I had a job beforehand and then um, we had moved to a different city and so I was about to start school and I didn't have a job and I was worried about money just to buy like basic necessities and my uncle came in <laughs> randomly to my room and he was like, hey, I wanted to tell you that God says he's like, he got you, he, he's got you mm. and he's got you taken care of and as much as like I want to say that I've been there for you it's really him and I was like wow I didn't even (laughs) I hadn't even prayed about it honestly and so there were just moments like those in that in that period of time prepping for college where God was like don't worry it's gonna be okay so I started school and it was awesome and I was so excited and I love my school but I still I think I was in a place where I I wanted to help people but I wasn't there yet to be able to walk through things with people that I wanted to walk through with them with. So I had met some girls and we ended up, um, I always said I wasn't going to share my testimony with the Lord. And then there was this one time where I was at a worship night and this person gets on the mic and they were like, I have a feeling there's some people here who are scared to share the testimony. And I was like, I don't know what's God about to say. And she's like, and God wants to say, like, how dare you withhold healing from somebody? And I was like, Whoa, okay, so God, I'm gonna allow myself to be used by you to share, you know, what you've done in my life. And so a few days later, um, some of my friends in my hall, we ended up sharing testimonies and confessing like, hey, I struggled with sexual sin since I was little. And then it even came up like, hey, I've struggled with same-sex attraction too. And I was like, no way, like me too. And that was a really cool time in my life but I think that I wanted to help my friend with her struggle. I was like, hey, you struggle with same-sex attraction? I've been there. You know, because at that point I've only been free for like three-ish years, four-ish years, and I didn't have that foundation yet. Right. Um, and so I was trying to like champion her and to be like, hey, you got this, like Jesus can handle it. But I think in that, we started spending a lot of time together And it kind of spiraled out of hand really quickly because I was not guarding myself. Um, There's a scripture, you know, that talks about like being careful, you know, when you're walking with someone, I'm totally paraphrasing, but when you're walking with someone through, through a sin to be careful unless, unless you be tempted also, you know? And so I think that's exactly the situation I was in. Um, But before that went too deep, um, still in my freshman year, my mom had been kind of doing business with God, as people typically say, and also going to therapy and meeting up with my uncle and and talking with him through just her childhood. And man, God really freed her of a lot of things, a lot of those lies. And she she came back into my life after about five months or so of just having absolutely no communication with her whatsoever. And she ended up telling me like, hey, all those things that I had said, I, I had believed about that side of your family, they were lies, and I'm so sorry, you know, but I really think that you should reach out to your dad, and and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I haven't spoken to my dad in five years, not a, not a word, you know, in five years, not a text, not a hey, like, nothing, and you want me to just reach out? Like, how do I even do that? But I did. I reached out, and man, it was, it was amazing. I ended up 
being able to just reconnect with my dad and and find out like I had another sibling hmm. um and so I have, I have two half siblings that I get to share my life with and 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 a wonderful stepmom you know and just that whole side of the family it just was like such a clear picture of of reconciliation and just the joy of getting to experience that so while I'm you know kind of falling into this the slippery slope at the same time god is doing a lot in my heart with regard to like bringing my family back in my life but i still because it was so fresh i still had deep wounds of man i just feel abandoned mm. you know i just feel unloved and so i think that's what really drove my desire to just be so close to this person and it was like okay i gotta help this person walk through this thing and I get a friend. Now you're talking about the the friend that you met yes. in the group. Yes. So the friend that I was wanting to walk through with her struggle with um, same-sex attraction, I we would spend a lot of time together, you know, and I was like, and we lived on the same hall. And so um, I was like, bet this is a perfect opportunity, you know, to show Jesus and to have a friend. Because, I mean, you go to college and you're out of your family's house and... I was like, man, I miss my family, <laughs> you know, and I just come from that really hard time. And so all of that combined was like, I just want a friend who will be there. But I remember my mom had told me actually when she had heard about my friendship and I said, hey, she also struggles and like, I'm going to help her, you know? And my mom was like, hey, be careful. I know like you want to help, but be careful because the enemy's sneaky if you're not paying attention, if you're not guarding yourself. And I was like, what? Like, I'm totally fine. Like, Jesus, you know? And, um, but she was right. She was right. I totally did not keep my guard up. And I wasn't aware of what was okay and what was not. And so we ended up spending an unnatural amount of time together, enmeshing so much that we became codependent. And she basically became like God to me. I ended up idolizing her our our emotions became enmeshed our every everything i wanted to do would be contingent upon what she wanted to do and so it just became this big giant mess honestly and naturally because we're spending so much time together and we both struggled with same-sex attraction it ended up becoming more of a relationship and a really really toxic relationship at that and that went on for about a year, even while I'm in Bible college, you know, surrounded by genuine Christians. I just was so blinded, I think, by just ignorance and my desire to, to help. I was blinded by all of those things and I didn't see how unhealthy it was getting. And it wasn't until some friends tapped us on the shoulder and were like, hey, I see something. Um, and it was out of nowhere. I really, it was just the Holy Spirit told her, hey, pay attention, pay attention to those two. And she called it like it was. And I was like, oh my word, I, I am at a loss for words, you know? And so our friends had come alongside us and helped form again that accountability that we needed. But still, it was like I wanted to change, but I was almost unwilling to let go of the comfort that I found in her. Mm. And so it was like this weird dualism where I was like, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I was going to church. I was serving in church. 
but also I would go home and I would do things with her, you know, that shouldn't have been done, you know, and was allowing her to dictate my life, essentially, and was not very nice to her. And so that's how I lived. And it wasn't, I remember even, so I had gone to counseling even, I was trying to get help, but it was, it was an addiction. Um, and so I remember my counselor sitting me down one time and it made me so mad because it was true. And she said, look, like, and, the, and she said in the most kindest tone and the gentlest voice, like, it just doesn't seem like you want to be made well. And I was like, that's it. I want a new counselor. Like, I'm leaving. I'm so mad. And, and it, it was true. And that really hit me. And I didn't end up switching counselors, but that stuck with me. And things didn't really start getting better until God forced me to let her go. He basically pried her from my grip because one night I had a sleepover with my friend and we were just spending time together and she was like, hey, like what's going on in your life, you know? And I don't even know how we got on the topic, but I think, again, just was the Holy Spirit prompting her to ask questions and she ended up confessing some of her testimony to me or I guess uh, sharing with me her testimony and confessing things she struggled with. And I was like, oh no, that same feeling of like, I need to share right now. And I shared with her that whole year of things that had gone on. And she was like, she sat me down and she looked at me and she said, Hannah, this is serious. This is life or death. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe she's right. She's like, you, you have to do something. Like you, I, I had planned on going on a trip with my, my friend to basically like a vacation for summertime. And my friend was about to leave the next day actually to go on that vacation. And then this friend that had come over um, that I was confessing to, she said, you can't go on that trip. You need to tell her that you're not gonna go on that trip. And I was like, no, like I'm terrified. She's gonna be so mad at me, you know? And as much as I knew I needed to not go on that trip, it, again, it was just that she was my everything. And so I was like, I can't possibly let her go, you know? And she was like, no, like, we're going to pray and you're going to go tomorrow and you're going to tell her that you're not going to go. And I was like, I knew I needed to do it. And so we prayed for courage and for the words to say and for a good reception. And I went and we had that discussion and we were both devastated, but we knew, we knew that God was calling us to put that separation in place, to put that distance and it was hard, honestly, it was like a breakup because it was essentially like a relationship. And again, I just experienced a lot of depression and, and the aftermath of all of that was, I just, I loathed myself, honestly. I thought I was, again, that same feeling of like, you are a monster, who, who would do such a thing? Like, how dare you, you know? And I think I had such high expectations for myself, not realizing like, hey, I'm a faulty human. And so I put myself at this level of superhuman. And when I realized I had fallen into this sexual sin, it didn't just take me back down to human. It took me down to, hey, you are beneath them. Like you are beneath every creature. You are this awful being. And so I was also mad at her. I was bitter. I was like, you did this to me, which wasn't true. It was, it was two parties, but that's how I felt. And I just felt kind of worthless, honestly. And so after I decided not to go on that trip, I 
I needed to tell my mom that I wasn't going on that trip and she of course would be like, well, why? And so I ended up confessing to her finally after a year of keeping it a secret like, mom, my friendship with her was more than a friendship and here are all the things that we did and I was just sobbing. And again, she just like looked at me and she was like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, you know? And she just showed me again, this, the love of Jesus and was like, let's pray. That's always her immediate response is like, let's pray and let's talk about it and let's unpack it. And so we did. And even before then, even in the midst of being sexually active with her, I actually went on a mission trip. I was going to El Salvador and the whole thing of the trip was like, we're going to proclaim freedom, you know, and we're going to do a lot of like prophetic ministry and like, like prayer ministry. And I was so angry. I told God, I said, God, how are you going to have me go on this trip? Because I knew he was calling me to go on that trip. And I was like, how are you going to have me go on this trip and proclaim freedom for people who are living in bondage when I feel like I'm not even living in freedom myself? And he said, exactly. I was like, excuse me? He's like, exactly. Now you're going to go and I'm going to do amazing things through you and you can't take any of the credit. Hmm. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Okay, God. Like, I'm going to go, you know? And there was another moment in my life where I felt God, even through all of that, put uh, on my heart just a desire to go into women's ministry. And I don't know what that looks like entirely, but I love just chatting with women and getting to know their story. And so... I was like, another angry moment. I was like, God, how are you gonna, like, I feel like I just throw tantrums with God, you know, but he, he's patient. He's like a dad and he listens. And I was like, God, how are you gonna call me into a women's ministry? You know, and like, again, I just, I feel like a broken woman. And he's like, exactly. Now you can relate, you know? And I don't know why I thought I had to be like perfect. I think we typically think that about people in ministry. We think they have to be at this level of perfection and having it all together. But God's like, no, now you're going to get to listen to people's stories and you can't judge. He's like, see, easy fix. And I'm like, okay, but I'm going through this right now, you know? And so he really, even, even though I was, I was actively like sinning, he was using that in a way to humble me and to refine me. Even though I messed up, I got myself into that mess. He's like, okay, I'm going to use it, you know? And then, you know, going back, so that was right in the middle of it. And then going back to when I confessed to my mom, it finally broke, I would say. That's when I truly was able to walk in freedom. It still was hard emotionally. I still was like, well, God, now I have no friends because this was my only friend for a good chunk of college, you know, a, a year of college and and then some, and I was like, I need some friends, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I ended up praying for some friends and God really brought me a, a fantastic group of women uh, through the form of a sorority at my school. And at Bible college, they don't have national sororities because it's a private school, so we make up our own. But um, that's a great thing because it can be extremely Christ-centered. And so I found some of my greatest friends through that sorority. He was just highlighting, like, here are the people that you can go to, that you can be friends with. And, like, man, I'd say, like, being able to just be myself and, and have a true friendship was, was everything, you know, for me. How would you say God began to redeem 
all that time too, right? Dealing with sexual brokenness mm. from a young age, mm-hmm. dealing it with in, in college. You know, we know God as as a redeemer, right? And a lot yeah. of the times, um, we may just see him as a this this person who's just taking everything away from us, everything that we love and yeah. everything that feels good to us, right? right? How did he redeem you from your sexual brokenness? I think God redeemed me from my sexual addiction and my struggle with sexual sin by showing me, number one, it's so common. That's, I think, the number one lie of the enemy is you're the only one who struggles with this, you weirdo. And God was very quickly like, no, that's a lie. And secondly, using my vulnerability to allow other people to open up. Because after I had you know, walked through that time for a little bit, I'd been walking freedom for a little bit from all of that, there were opportunities to share with people. And every single time I did, they would say, wow, thank you so much for sharing. I struggled too, you know, or God has brought me from that too. And we were able to fellowship over that. Mm. Um, so I think he's redeemed it in the sense of he doesn't, you know, I think there's a common saying that's like, God doesn't waste pain. And I, I think that's so true. And I think that's how he redeems is even when we mess up, even when I drive myself into the deepest pit, he helps us up. And not only does he help us up, he doesn't, he, he uses, I think, our greatest weakness to be our greatest strength yeah. in the form of a story um and so yeah i think he he uses it to glorify himself number one and to impact the lives of others that i share with yeah talk to us really quick about your your marriage and sure. how did that come about and how did that impact your life as obviously again dealing with sexual brokenness and now yeah. meeting this new person can you just talk to us about that experience and what God began to teach you through that relationship? Yeah, so ironically, I met Isaiah. So we had met in high school, but we reconnected um, kind of on the tail end of me still dealing with that anger and that bitterness toward my uh, friend that I was in that toxic relationship with. Um, and I feel like typically when you think of relationships, you think, oh, wait till you're completely, you know, healed. And I, I mean, I do agree with like, wait until God has established that healing. But this happened out of nowhere. And so ironically, my friend, um, she started dating somebody and I was so angry. This was the, the girl that you had a relationship yes, with? Yes, the girl I had a relationship with. She started dating um, somebody and I was so mad. And at that point, we were still, um, we still had a friendship, like we still would spend some time together. And so she would be texting all the time and I would just get so irritated and I would get onto her and be like, why are you doing this? You know, and get mad. But then once I started, um, I randomly reconnected with Isaiah and I was doing the same thing. And so it was almost like God was like, be quiet, you know, like leave her alone. Like you need to let her go, you know, and, and focus on what I have for you here. And so God brought Isaiah in my life at a time that I think was so necessary and showed, used Isaiah to show me throughout our dating relationship. Um, and now continuing on into our marriage, like how, I think number one, the value of men 
because I think I just, because of my experiences with men being molested and, 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 and experiencing divorce, I had kind of a growing hatred toward men um, by the time I was in high school. I just thought they were unreliable um, and incompetent and annoying. And I mean, high school boys maybe are kind of annoying, but I discounted men as a whole. And so I think God has, has and is still using Isaiah to show me the value of men and, and how men get to image God in such a beautiful way. But also he's showing me a man who truly loves me and I can, I can trust his motives. He's not out to get me. And now in marriage, showing me the beauty in um, getting to be one together um, and, and redeeming the times when I, I misused sex. Um, I used it for my own gain. I used it to hurt others and others used it to hurt me. He's showing me how beautiful it can be in marriage. Um, and he, he really uses Isaiah and, and my marriage with Isaiah to bring up still some hurt um, from, from the divorce and um, feeling abandoned still even um, and reminding me like, number one, you're my daughter. You know, God says, number one, you're my daughter and I'm never leaving you and I've never left you. Mm-hmm. And number two, this man is really for you. You can trust him. And, and Isaiah has been so patient and so kind to walk through that with me and to remind me, hey, like, you know that I love you, right? You know, when I maybe am doubting his intention, it's like, I am all for you. I'm on your team. And so, yeah, I just think it's amazing the fact that God is so, like, he knows exactly what we need. He knows how we need to be spoken to. He knows exactly who needs to be in our lives at the right times. And I'm just so grateful that he's given me a husband who, number one, didn't run away from me when he heard all of that, right? But ran ran toward me and was like, I want to love you even even though, you know, even through all of this. He's given me a man who is dedicated to seeking God and and walking through that with me still. Yeah. Hannah, how has Jesus impacted your life up to date? I wouldn't be who I am without Jesus. I mean, he's destroyed lies that held me in bondage and family members in bondage for a long time. Um, so he's my, he's, he's truth, you know? He is my, my healer. He is my friend who's never left me, but also my father, you know, who's never left me. He's like the thread that holds my life together. So I wouldn't be who I am without Jesus, and I wouldn't be able to live life every day without Jesus sustaining me. Mm-hmm. To anybody who's watching your testimony and is potentially going through the same things that you are going through or know someone who is going through similar experiences that you have shared today, mm-hmm. uh, can you just speak to them, give them a word of encouragement, word of advice? What, what can you say to them? If you were sexually abused, if you were, if you're feeling abandoned because of divorce or some circumstances where your parents can't be around, I want to say it's not your fault. Um, that's something that really impacted me is when I finally heard somebody say, it's not your fault. You shouldn't have gone through that. You know, that person should not have hurt you in that way. You don't have to put the blame and the pressure on yourself. 
And to the person who's struggling with same-sex attraction, I want to say, number one, you're not alone. Number two, God is not afraid. You know, and all of that, and, and, and all of the struggles that I've shared, God is not afraid of our mistakes. And He can handle it. He is more than able. Uh, the Bible says that He can do exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. And that is true. And to the person also who is struggling with same-sex attraction, you don't have to allow your feelings to dictate your life. I think about if I would have listened to that voice, if I would have listened to that lie of, well, maybe you should have been born a boy. Maybe you just really want to be a boy. I would not be who I am today. I would not have this wonderful husband who I get to serve Jesus with. I would not get to share that with people, you know. Um, I would be a lot different. My life would look a lot different, and I don't think I would be as free as I am today if I had allowed that lie to, to define me. And so I would say just pay attention to your thoughts, stay on guard, and, and allow, allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead you. And when He speaks through people, like He spoke through my mom, listen, because you'll save yourself a good deal of trouble <laughs> if you would just listen to the Lord, um, which I'm always learning. So that's what I would say.